Transferring wealth successfully starts with asking yourself questions that will give your family a better life now and for generations to come. In this podcast, financial professionals John and Michael from Copper Beach Financial Group guide you through eye-opening questions to help you discover the truth about your wealth. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to The Truth of Your Wealth with John and Michael Paris from Copper Beach Financial Group. Today, I want to kind of dive in to what the process looks like when somebody engages them as a client coming in, or as a prospect, I should say, that says, you know what, I want to work with these guys. I want to know what that looks like. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? They're great. Good morning. All right. So like I said, what I'd really like to do is kind of get the audience a real feel for how they can engage you and what that process looks like. So if I'm somebody that's heard about you from maybe a friend of mine that works with you, or I've seen something, some sort of documentation about your, your group. And I say, you know what, this, this looks like a good match. I give you a call. What happens when I do that? Yeah, that's a, that, that's a common question that folks ask us as we get involved in conversation. Typically our process is, is a simple one. We go through an interviewing process. And what I mean by that is we sit with the client, uh, we go back and forth. We ask a lot of good questions to see if they actually qualify for our platform. Uh, what I mean by that is that not everyone wishes to have a family office platform. They want to keep their lives a little bit simpler. Uh, so that that's the first step we determine is whether they qualify or want to go through what we deliver as a practice. And then once they say, yes, it sounds interesting, um, I'm interested in finding more about what you guys, how you can help us, uh, we go through a audit procedure where our team reviews all the current documents they have currently in place, which is wills, trusts, financial statements. Mm-hmm. We get a feel of who they are and the type of plans they've currently have in place through other advisors. And that helps us determine A, where they might fit, B, where we might be able to help them. And it's usually about an 80 or 90 page report that we deliver. Uh, we do charge wow. a slight fee for that report only because it's a lot of time on our group side to determine and read through all the tax returns and financial statements. But with that said, once we de- deliver this report, the client has a very, very clear view on A, where their weaknesses could be in their planning. Uh, we bring up a lot of key ideas and topics that they might be interested in. And they decide to say, you know what, this might be a fit. So what's the next step? And that next step would be we contract, they contract for our services. And then we really do a deep dive into key areas that we picked up through this audit they want us to focus on. And then we uh, set a priority on those particular key issues. And then we set our agenda for that particular time frame, which is usually a year or so to get all the steps in place. All right. Can we take a step back for a minute? You said something a bit ago. I think it was family office platform. Is that right? Yes. Can you can you describe what that is? What what do you mean by family office platform? You said some people would like it and some people wouldn't necessarily. What does that mean? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Our 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 process or our platform looks like this. If you think of, of a company that hires a CFO, or that could be the owner of the company, or they've hired a, another person to take that role, they pretty much look over and watch over the company for their growth, their cash flows, all their different business models. We take that role on the family side, and we call it a family office. If you go back in time and look at how a family office was coined, it goes back to the old days in Europe where a lot of the affluent families like the Rothschilds and some other great families from Europe, 
they were so wealthy and so affluent, they had a need to have very personalized service to run their wealth. What I mean by that, they have their own bankers that report to them directly. They have their own CPAs, attorneys, investment professionals. They all report, report directly to that family head and they work exclusively for that family. Mm-hmm. Very expensive model. Our model is we take that same process. When families hire us, we don't replace anyone. We get plugged in as that CFO for the family and we watch over all their financial activities and we coordinate with all their current advisors as the lead, as the lead advisor coordinator. Uh, we, we find a lot of our clients have great advisors, but they typically don't talk to each other mm-hmm. to work on behalf of the client. We force that issue with our, with our family office process. And what I meant that some people might not like that, they might not want that sophistication, they might not need it, they might be comfortable where they are. So that, that helps us decide at that moment if they fit. Yeah, and, and some folks, they may already have advisors that have great, great working relationships. You know, they may already be talking to each other and so therefore it might not be necessary. But I, I'm assuming that most folks would need something like this because I, I don't know a lot of professionals that are already having these conversations with accountants, already having conversations with an attorney, estate planning attorneys, uh, to where they're completely coordinated. Do you find that the majority of prospects come in and say, yeah, this is something that I've been lacking? Yeah, it, it happens all the time. We we probably, I could probably, Michael, you could probably jump in here. I would say 95% of the families we approach mm. do not have a successful coordination between their advisors. And that's that's because the client is left trying to coordinate all that. We call it being stuck in the middle. It's a term we like to use. Mm. They're stuck in the middle trying to figure all of it out, and they don't have the skill set typically or the time to coordinate and build that relationship through all their advisors. So they get they don't take advantage of that option. So they let things go along as they as they go. So we call it being in, in silos. Each advisors live in their own world mm-hmm. in their silos and typically don't cross uh, those paths with other advisors. So we gotta bring that together as I said earlier. Uh, yeah, to, to elaborate on that a little further, a lot of the families that we work with, almost all the families we work with, already have a qualified group of advisors that they're working with, really high-quality professionals. They mm-hmm. have a very good attorney that may be working, let's say, on the business side or on the estate planning side. They already have a very good CPA or investment manager that they're working with. But very often, we, we see those parties not strategizing together or coming together on behalf of the client uh, for best practices uh, um, uh, for that family going forward. And so we take that role as being that, again, that family CFO that sees the whole picture of the family and can really be proactive with those various advisors to bring everybody to the table and strategize again for best practices. Uh, oftentimes we see a lot of the advisors being more in a reactive role. Mm. Uh, that's not a knock on any particular advisor, but oftentimes the client is, at least we've heard from families we work with, the client is responsible for going to the particular advisor to initiate an idea that they have. It's not the advisor that's being proactive to come up with those ideas. And so again, the family sometimes is, as my dad alluded to, stuck in the middle or is uh, left trying to figure out whether they even need to bring these topics up to the advisors uh, on their team. And they're maybe not necessarily trained to really think in that way because they're so busy running their business or spending time with their family that 
they often don't even know that these these issues need to be brought up. That's where we get hired to sort of be that again that CFO that's being proactive on behalf of the family to bring all the advisors together. Yeah, the reaction we usually get, Eric, is, "Wow, I didn't know a firm like yours was available for mm-hmm. those type of services." So we're we're kind of unique in that area, uh, and the clients are very receptive to that that process. That that brings up a really uh, good point because you said the clients are very receptive to that process. I've been seeing a commercial lately, and it's a marketing campaign from a, from an insurance company. Uh, honestly, I can't remember the name of it, but I think it features Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers' advisor or his uh, his agent. Excuse me, his agent. I think um, it's State Farm. So there we go. Correctly. It is State Farm. You're right. And so his agent is getting super defensive because the State Farm agent is there taking care of his insurance needs and. The sports agent is like, well, no, I'm I'm the only agent for Aaron. What are you doing here, kind of thing. So, I'm, my question is, I can see advisors, an attorney or a financial advisor or other members of this team that your client have there, getting a little defensive or being concerned about somebody coming in and trying to tile this together. What, what's your experience with how receptive they are? Or how do you work through that if they're they're a little gun shy? Yeah, an excellent point. Uh, that comes up occasionally, uh, but our process, when we go through that discussion with our families, we make sure they're very clear to our point that we don't replace anyone when mm-hmm. we get hired. So their financial advisor, their their uh, CPAs, attorneys will most certainly stay in place. Matter of fact, we need them because we will not probably work with a family unless they have a good advisory team because mm-hmm. that's not our purpose to find a team for them. Uh, we can if it, if they need it, but most most of the time we have families with, as Michael said earlier, good advisors. We just have to make sure they know where we fit. Uh, and we typically go through another process that we introduce ourselves via letter from the client that we're acting as a family office a support to the family. And the client gives us permission to contact their advisors and we interview them over the phone or we sit and have lunch with them depending on where they're located. And, and we, we explain them what our process and they seem to be extre- extremely receptive to it. Matter of fact, we had one case, I'll share a short story with you. It was a case in Oklahoma where the attorney was surprised that the family hired us. Uh, and he said, well, we do all this work for you. We help coordinate it. And the family uh, d- disagreed because they were working with this advisor for several years and the and the current advisor didn't bring up the things that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So make a long story short, the client called me and said, listen, this advisor keeps bugging me about, you know, they shouldn't have hired Copper Beach. And she said to me, I could always fire, I could always hire a good tax attorney, but I can't always find a Copper Beach. Mm-hmm. I want to fire the advisor. I take it back. I said, you're not firing anybody. Let me go meet with him. Let me talk to them. And I flew up out to Oklahoma, met with their team, took a three-hour session with them, and they finally understood our role, and they were very on board with it. And it ended up being a very good relationship with the, with that particular advisor team. Uh, matter of fact, we referred the advisor to the rest of the family. So the advisor got more business from our relationship with the current family that hired us. Wow, that's great. I mean, that's breaking down those barriers is, yeah. is a real special skill. And uh, obviously, you've got the experience to do it. So in in this process, once they've uh, we, we've talked about the, the very beginning and the initial, uh, the audit process seems like it, you have quite a bit there to offer. Should we do a podcast specifically about the audit process alone? Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, that'd be detailed. Sure. Yeah, we can we can get into again. It's about on average between 80 to 90 pages it covers about six to seven topics different topics wow. so that the family may have uh, from 
from business succession to estate planning to income taxes to investments and so on and so forth. And so it's it's a pretty comprehensive uh, report. So we could get into a lot of detail just on that. So I think that makes sense to maybe have a whole podcast dedicated to that. All right. That sounds great. It's very so, thorough. Yeah, I, I, I bet. it's. Uh, it, I mean, having it tailored to each person, I mean, it's exactly what every individual needs. Yeah, there's uh, no and, cookie cutter on our side, that's for sure. Yeah, and that's and that's what you find a lot of times with different types of offices. Uh, and there's nothing like Copper Beach, but as far as advisory firms, they have one process and you fit into this box and it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So this is kind of refreshing in my mind. Once they yeah, are, I mean, again, the discovery through 35 years of being in this business, I, I, I saw the weakness in those type of business models. Not that they were bad for the client. They, they were just um, not as um, not as as broad brushes should be. In other words, they were missing a lot of key issues when they made recommendations. For example, if you were a potential client, Eric, that said, John, I have a million dollars to invest and it's a non-IRA account. The first time they ask you how ta- tax efficient is your current portfolio and they don't have any clue what I'm talking about. Yeah. So most, most advisors will manage a portfolio and not be concerned about the taxes. And our favorite saying is, it's not what you make, it's what you keep. Mm-hmm. So we're tax efficient in the way we manage the portfolios. They've never heard of that before, ever. Wow. And, and getting just to add to that, Eric, that's an example of advisor collaboration that, that we see pretty routinely where if that scenario does come up and the client does have a good investment advisor that's working with them on that portfolio, we can go back and work with the advisor to say, hey, this is this is what we talked about with the family. They, they want to be a little bit more tax efficient on their investment portfolios. Mm-hmm. What can we do to help them with that? that particular project because very often the investment advisor isn't seeing the full picture. They don't necessarily understand that there's a tax exposure or a bad tax exposure for the family. Mm. So again, that's that bringing the, that bringing the team together, that collaboration, that really we strengthen the relationships with all the advisors uh, that the family has to just bring everybody together uh, for, for the best interest of the family. Yeah, that sounds great. Now, I've gone through uh, the initial meeting I've gone through the interview. You guys have interviewed me, and and I'm a good potential candidate. I like what you're saying. I, I see a tremendous need in my life and with the advisors that I currently work with. Uh, I'm I'm going through the audit process. I'm wrapping that up, or you're wrapping that up with me. What happens after that? After the audit process and you, you begin this journey, then what happens? It's a lot of hard work for the first year. <laughs> we, we, As I said earlier, we prioritize each segment of their planning based on their desire to get it fixed, uh, simple word, but uh, we usually find a, an estate plan that's not necessarily in order. So they're very concerned about maybe focusing on that particular piece of the planning. Uh, and business succession, again, because we work with business owners, mm-hmm. is a, always a key element to our discussion. So we have a tendency to focus on those two areas because they both kind of work together. So uh, it's a very um, focus process. We spend, what'd you say, Michael, we probably spend 15 hours with the family discussing options around design of certain estate plan techniques, whether they have estate tax issues or whether they have uh, asset protection concerns, or they have a focus on any particular distribution to their family. We go through all that discovery with them. And our favorite saying always is you don't know what you don't know. So we teach the client how to think differently about their estate plan because they really don't know what to ask. Mm-hmm. They, they get stuck, as I said earlier, in the middle trying to figure out what is a trust. 
How does it all work? What does it mean to my family? What are the cash flow issues? What's the distribution issues? Should I send it out to my kids at 2530? Or should I keep it in trust for my kids? So you can imagine, Eric, these conversations go very lengthy and they typically respond favorably towards some of the major issues we bring up. And then at that point, they give us a green light to work with the attorney. Michael, because he's a JD, he works very closely with that family attorney. Um, and they both uh, work on drafting the, the proper document to implement. And before the client signs that document, we all get together as a team, review each piece of that document. And I, I could tell you the client will not sign that document unless, he, unless they understand what the document does and, and what the implementation process is upon them passing. Uh, and they get very, very comfortable with it. All right. You've built this very strong relationship between the family. You've strengthened the family's relationship with their individual advisors because now they're seeing them collaborate together in, in ways they didn't before. Um, what does it look like ongoing then? Well, the plan, we, we sort of have a joke, and that's, I, I think, one of our, uh, I hate to use the word pet peeve, but uh, I'll use it, it with, the, with the financial planning industry in general, is that our belief is that really planning never stops. There's mm -hmm. always things, especially with the business owner community that we primarily work with, there is always things that are going on, whether, whether the client is purchasing new businesses, buying new assets, selling assets. Uh, new children or grandchildren in the family. Mm -hmm. There's always new things that are going on in their lives that require somebody to be with them, guiding them pretty much every step of the way. And so, again, our our model is to be that family CFO that's that's doing that on a regular basis. So, as the years go by, again, it's custom for every family. So every family, as the years go by, may have different uh, different things. We just had two families that we work with uh, sell their companies to ESOPs. Well, that's something we didn't know was going to pop up until it popped up. And that was a huge project, took a lot of time on our side, working with the advisor team on coordinating, sort of shepherding that process going forward. And so mm -hmm. that's something that popped up. Now, obviously, that's not something we'll do every year with that family or with every family. But when those sorts of projects come up, that's how we that's how we approach it. So it sounds like you, obviously you have to have a lot of communication with your families uh, throughout the years. What does that look like? What does what the communication with them look like besides them calling you up and saying, hey, we just sold a business, <laughs> which we hope well, you, I, they call you in advance yeah. for that, right? But yes, yeah, so hopefully we get that surprise sometimes. <laughs> hopefully they tell us before they sell yeah, the business. You would a hope lot so, of tax yeah. advantages when they do that. Yeah. Yes, but we, we part of our process is we meet quarterly with all of our families, whether that's oh, in wow. person or, or on a web meeting or conference call. Mm -hmm. We have a quarterly report that our team creates that we send out to the client on a quarterly basis that gives them an update on where all their projects stand in terms of uh, status updates. Um, we also bring up uh, any, any data that we have on a balance sheet side of things. And so that's how we're being proactive. We're always talking with our families at least quarterly, but especially in the early part of the relationship, we're talking with them almost weekly just because it, you need that level of communication to really start to build this process. I work with a lot of advisors that have had or implement multi-generational family meetings. And this is, this is what I'm hearing from you guys. It's not termed that way, but when you're working with these families and you're, you're talking about business succession plans, obviously you're talking about the next generation and the, and the following generation. I love the fact that your office is a multi-generational office uh, and, and looking at getting a client to this point where they are 
you're meeting with them quarterly. They've been in a relationship with you guys for a few years, quite a few years. And now looking beyond that and looking at how they can bless their children and their grandchildren uh, with their end of days activities, I guess is how I would phrase it. Uh, how instrumental are you in that helping them to pass on that legacy, uh, not only just the finances, but maybe the the values that they have created and built over the years in either building that business or just building their wealth in general? Yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful question. And um, I'll share another story with you. I worked with a client years ago that had tremendous wealth and we set up these wonderful generation skipping trusts and he leaned back in his chair and he said to me, John, this is a great idea, this trust, but, but you tell me, uh, all the money that's going to be in that trust, I get that. But how do the values get in the trust? How do I get those values out to my great-great-grandchildren? And it's, it was a great question. Yeah. And we had a great dialogue with it, and he was concerned about that the children were going to receive a bunch of uh, assets through their lifetime and didn't understand where they came from. So yeah. he created a video. It was a marvelous video that outlined his history, he and his wife. And it was a wonderful video. Actually, you watch it, you cry your eyes out mm -hmm. because he took it through uh, where he came from, how he built his companies. And in the trust, the requirement was anybody who was going to receive an asset from that trust had to watch this video or CD, whatever the technology is going to be <laughs> yeah. somewhere in the future. But they had to watch it to get the distribution to understand yeah. who grandpa or great grandpa was. And we have, a, we have a saying with our families. And one of the questions I ask um, is how do you want to be remembered? Mm -hmm. It's a great question because it's a legacy question because you want to leave a, a history behind and I'll make a very subtle statement and it, it's kind of a sad one in a way, but you don't want to die twice. True. What I mean by that is the first passing is very hard on families, but when you lose the memory of the, that particular person who passed away, they actually die twice. Yeah. So we set up these generational structures to allow families to remember the key elements to the past. And that's a, a lot of, a lot of very interesting conversations over a long period of time. And to Michael's point, that's why our projects never end. Mm -hmm. We have these discussions over dinners. We meet with their children. We do generational structure meetings. It's a very, very extensive collaboration between all, all the advisors and the family members. Yeah, the, the family meeting is, is, is something we do annually with all of our families. Uh, that's a challenge because a lot of the family's members are all over mm -hmm. the country, sometimes all over the world. So that sometimes can be challenging, but we really strive to do that on an annual basis. And we've really gotten a lot of good feedback, not only from, let's say, mom or dad, but also from the children and grandchildren as well, because you can believe they're actually almost as much concerned about what's going on in the family as, as the parents are, because they know that there's a lot of wealth or a lot of assets, let's say, that are passing to them, and they may not be ready or, or understand all the moving parts on how they're going to manage that or what their responsibilities mm -hmm. are going to be when mom and dad ultimately pass away. And so part of that family meeting eventually is to get to the point where you're having a more open dialogue intergenerationally about what everyone's responsibilities are with, with regards to the wealth. Yeah. We want no surprises to the generations. Yeah, absolutely. We want to make it as clear as possible how it's all structured. I would encourage anybody who is listening to this right now, if you've gleaned something off of this or really recognize the fact that you need to tell your story to your kids and to your grandkids, a couple things to include. Number one, how you did it, right? How you grew that business, how you got to the point you're at so they understand it. But don't leave out the struggles because so many stories are passed from father to son or you know father to daughter about how grandpa did and how he built this business. 
But what's missing most of the time is what were the struggles? What were the lessons that I had to learn in this business? What are the things that I did wrong? Uh, because they need to understand it wasn't just I started a business, I was super successful, and here's some money, <laughs> because that's a a waste of yeah. the values that you want to pass on, the waste of the the truly the hard work that you put in. Please include that part of the story as well so they can appreciate all the sweat and hard work and determination, the blood, sweat, and tears, as they say, that went into building the legacy that they're going to be receiving. Sorry, I just want to interject that before I before I forgot about it because it's I think it's vitally important that they understand the good and the bad uh, when they actually when doing that. you can be more right on. It's uh, actually going back to our process. We do legacy letters and mission statements. Oh man! And the families get involved in working with us with their mom and dad or grandparents that's awesome. on creating that mission statement because that sets all that in motion mm-hmm. and there's no confusion. Everybody's on the same page with what charities they want to give money to or how they want to fund certain projects as a, as a, as a partnership. I mean, it's really, really exciting when you see it. And again, getting back to my first comment, not every family wants that complexity, mm-hmm. but you, but most, I would say hundred percent of our families who go through that process, Michael fall in love with it because they never had that uh, before and they want to keep it going, which is, what makes our practice very, very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Guys, we're getting low on time. Is there anything else you want to say in closing today? I think this was great. And and we obviously, we could get into the audit process on another podcast. I think mm-hmm. uh, the question my father asked in terms of how do you want to be remembered? Uh, that's one of, as he said, our favorite questions. I think we can have a whole podcast on what that means, some yeah. stories on, on that particular question. So we look forward to talking about that in particular because that's one of our favorite questions we ask. I, I couldn't agree more. All right, guys. Thank you so much for your time today. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the Truth of Your Wealth podcast with John and Michael Paris. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when John and Michael come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. And if this kind of pushed you to a a point where you think, you know what, this is something that I need and I'd like to do, or I would love my parents to do this or my grandparents to do this, please share this podcast with them so they can understand what Copper Beach truly does with their clients. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Copper Beach Financial Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Truth About Wealth podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Copper Beach Financial Group. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities offered through American Portfolio Financial Services Incorporated a member of FINRA SIPC Investment Advisory and Financial Planning Services offered through American Portfolio Advisors Incorporated, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Copper Beach is an unaffiliated entity of APFS and APA. Any opinions expressed in this forum are not the opinion or view of American Portfolios Financial Services Incorporated APFS or American Portfolios Advisors Incorporated APA and have not been reviewed by the firm for completeness or accuracy. These opinions are subject to change at any time without notice. 
Any comments or postings are provided for informational purposes only and do not constitute an offer or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or other financial instruments. Readers should conduct their own review and exercise judgment prior to investing. Investments are not guaranteed, involve risk, and may result in a loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Investments are not suitable for all types of investors.